It's 3 a.m. or thereabouts. I don't know for sure because I don't want to look at my phone and further amp up my already racing mind. I can feel my heart pounding in my chest and my thoughts are going a million miles an hour. My jaw hurts and my throat feels like an arid desert has taken up resonance there. I ask myself, what if this is it? What if I'm finally having a heart attack? Should I wake my wife, Tracy? I don't want to worry her if it's nothing. I'm sure it's nothing, just anxiety. But what if it's not? I try to focus on the thought that this is just anxiety, just my mind and body reacting to an imagined fear, but my mind won't stop racing. So I give in and I get up out of bed and I start pacing through our house, hoping and praying that I don't wake her up. I get a glass of water after a few minutes and choke down a couple of swallows. Eventually, I slowly feel myself starting to wear down enough that I can go back to bed and lay down. I fall into a fitful, light sleep, tossing and turning. And then in what seems like an instant, I awaken to my alarm going off, signaling yet another day starting. And I wonder to myself, how long can I keep going on like this? If this sounds too familiar to you, even in part, then you might be struggling with an anxiety disorder, like I have done for the majority of my life. Keep listening to learn more about my journey and how I finally found a path towards healing and peace. Hi, welcome to the Diary of an Anxious Therapist. I'm your host, Ben France. I'm a licensed professional counselor and life coach who struggled with anxiety for my whole life. I'm also a musician, a writer, and a lifetime learner who thoroughly enjoys sharing what I learn and what I'm passionate about. With this podcast, my hope is to provide some insight, some information, and maybe even some interventions related to anxiety, finding and expressing creativity, and finding purpose and meaning in your life. I'll be using my own life experiences, along with things that I've learned in nearly a decade of being a mental health professional, to bring you content that is helpful, meaningful, and hopefully a bit entertaining. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting platform. And if you really want to do me a favor, leave a review. Five stars are appreciated if you do feel so inclined. That being said, let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. I often say that I've had a complicated relationship with anxiety. I was always a high-strung, high-energy kid. Being the age that I am, it wasn't as recognized back then. But if I were growing up today, I would have likely been diagnosed with ADD and possibly autism spectrum disorder as well. I was a sensitive kid who felt things deeply and who wanted nothing more than for everything to be all right, even though sometimes it didn't feel as if that was even possible in my world and my life. Over the years... After I graduated high school, I started to become a bit more in touch with myself and I started to have an ebb in what would eventually become a constant ebb and flow of overwhelming anxiety in my life. I could string together months at a time where things felt okay, where I could hang out with my friends, where I could take road trips, etc., and for the most part feel okay, even if a bit nervous on the day-to-day basis. But inevitably, what goes down in this case must come back up and I'd start to feel anxiety creeping back in. This really started to become more prevalent once I moved into my quote-unquote adult life with all of the bills, car payments, mortgage, additional responsibilities, and such that came along with adulthood. My anxiety was first put on full public display, although I can't say that I had the knowledge to recognize it as anxiety at that time, during a work-related getaway when I was 28. I was working in corporate America in a human resources job. I worked with coworkers that I really clicked with and I really did enjoy my job. 
It was, however, a very busy job. We'd had an extremely hectic recruiting year, and we'd hit all of our target goals, so my boss had mandated that our whole department take the day off to recharge, to celebrate, to spend time together, and to just relax. The day started innocuously enough, with breakfast together, followed by deep tissue massages at a local health spa. That was a first for me, and when I got done with that, man, I just felt like a wet noodle. After that, we had lunch, and then we took a short road trip down to a local town to have a really nice dinner together at a local restaurant. Things were going well, but about halfway through the dinner, I felt a bit of distress in my stomach, but I assumed it was just due to not having eaten in several hours. Unfortunately, I was wrong. Shortly thereafter, I had to excuse myself to go to the restroom where I felt miserably sick to my stomach. Being gone for an unknown, but obviously looking back long amount of time, one of my coworkers came down to check on me. As I sat there in the restroom, I heard the door open and I heard her voice say, Ben, are you okay? I was mortified. And to make matters worse, this was a female coworker of mine and one that I'd had a little bit of a crush on previously when we were in college. So to say I was embarrassed doesn't even begin to touch it. After composing myself and assuring her that I was okay, I was eventually able to pull myself together enough to make my way back upstairs, even though I just wanted to sink through the floor and disappear into the ether at that moment. I'll never forget the embarrassment and the shame that I felt sitting in the back of the rented van on the drive home, having to have my boss stop at a convenience store to get me some Imodium for my upset stomach, and having concerned co-workers asking me every so often if I was okay or if I needed anything. Looking back, that really touches me that they cared that much and they were really concerned about me. But in the moment, embarrassment didn't even begin to describe how I felt. That was the longest 45-minute car ride home of my life up to that point. After this initial event that only years later I recognized as being something that was truly traumatic, even though it was quote-unquote a small t trauma, my life started to shrink. I avoided going out to eat with friends, my then wife, and even going out with my family. Friends would want to get together and make plans. We'd have dinner that I'd somehow force myself to do. And then in one instance, our really good friends decided, hey, we should go to St. Louis, take a road trip, and go to this drag race that we all think would be a lot of fun to go to. I had to, on the fly, make up an excuse, though, as to why I couldn't do that. Because in actuality, I was panicked, worried about what would happen when, not if, I would get so anxious that I would get physically sick. I'd skip Christmas dinners as the years went on, and I'd sit at home alone while my whole family, in-laws, siblings, parents, and all were just a couple blocks away celebrating together. During that whole time, I was stuck between feeling depressed from being alone by myself and isolated, and feeling physically sick even if I thought about joining them and going to enjoy the holidays. Fast forward a few years of more of the same, my life shrinking, plans being canceled, trying to take trips, even small just trips from our small town in northeast Kansas to Kansas City, which was about a 45-minute drive, and having to turn around halfway back because my stomach was so upset and I felt so sick that I thought I wasn't going to be able to make it there. Fast forward about 12 years in the future to December of 2016. I'm now 40 years old. I just completed my master's degree in counseling the summer before, and I was trying to get a private practice up and running. However, knowing nothing about how to run a business, how to market myself, and how to find clients, I was struggling to gain momentum, and I'd taken a part-time job at a local community college just to supplement my minuscule contribution to my wife and I's income. 
I wasn't feeling truly fulfilled because the community college job, while I loved it, wasn't what I really wanted to do. I was constantly worried about money, and I now know that that's what led to my panic attack. It was December of 2016. I'll never forget sitting up in our bed that night, waking up out of nowhere, thinking that I was having a heart attack. I couldn't catch my breath. My heart was pounding out of my chest. And we sat there for what felt like hours with my sweetheart of a wife trying to console me, holding my hand and rubbing my back. My heart was racing. I couldn't catch my breath. My thoughts were running a million miles an hour. I was sure I was having a heart attack or having a stroke or something that was just going to be the end of me. To make matters worse in that moment, I was one of the millions of uninsured people in our country at that time, so the thought of going to the hospital didn't seem like an option to me. My mind would immediately go to the unimaginable thousands of dollars of medical bills that would put our already stretched thin buzz budget edit. My mind would go edit. To make matters worse, I was one of the millions of uninsured people in the country at that time, so the thought of going to the hospital didn't seem like an option. With the idea of unimaginable amounts of medical bills that would put our already stretched thin budget beyond life support. I thought I was dying, and that was truly the most terrifying I'd ever been in my life, and yet I didn't know what to do about it. My wife did her best to console me, and after hours of sitting there, finally I was able to fall back to sleep. Following that initial panic attack, I went down a path that many who struggle with anxiety and panic will be able to relate to. Multiple doctor's visits, multitudes of health tests, and a variety of different prescriptions with the intention of finding quote-unquote the thing that would fix me. I use that word because for a long time, I truly felt like I was a broken human being. There had to be something wrong with me. Obviously, I was just faulty. Something in the wiring in my brain was wrong, and there was something that just made me different from everybody else. And I didn't think I was ever going to be able to move past that. Some prescriptions would work for a while. They'd blunt down my anxious thoughts and alarmed feelings, but inevitably those same thoughts and feelings would come back. Every time I thought that I'd found the thing that was going to cure me, I would have another panic attack, or at the least a pervasive feeling of worry and dread that never really went away. Life went on like this for years, and my world continued to shrink. Plans for afterward gatherings with coworkers would be made, and then I'd cancel at the last minute, or I'd just not show up, feigning forgetting, quote-unquote, about the plans, when in reality, I'd have been anxiously dreading those plans right up to the last minute when I would bail out on my coworkers and friends because of the terrifying stories that my mind made up. Spending quality time with my partner, Tracy, became sitting on the couch and watching TV, with a less and less true connection occurring between the two of us. Multiple dinner dates were canceled. Friends going away parties were missed. Even weddings that I was supposed to be a part of were missed and canceled at the last moment. And still my world continued to shrink. Even things that I had previously been able to do to alleviate my anxiety, like exercising, became an additional source of anxiety. Worrying about the what-if of my mind's imagined health-related issues that had no grounds in reality, and that multiple doctors had assured me were not relevant to me based upon all their knowledge and their tests. This went on for several years, including multiple visits to the emergency room. Sure, I was having a heart attack, panic attacks, and even one overnight stay in a hospital where I had a multitude of cardiac-related tests done the next morning, only for the doctor to assure me that in his words, I'd be more likely to get hit by a plane falling out of the sky than I would to have a heart attack or a cardiac event, assuming that I stayed in the same health-related path that I'd been on up to that point. Fast forward to 2020. COVID had taken over and shut down the whole world literally less than a week after Tracy and I got married. 
Unlike a lot of people, I think, I amazingly felt a sense of calm and peace when this happened. No one was going out. No one was being social. There were no expectations. So the whole world seemed to be following my lead. And I no longer had to worry about the repercussions of me isolating myself. Additionally, my grant-funded job in higher education evaporated practically overnight, which would have likely caused me to spiral into another panic attack were it not for the government's generous unemployment policies at that time. That actually took the financial stress off and all of the worries as well. For the first time in a long time, I started to feel better, but just like the new normal of a shutdown world, that was short-lived. In spring of 2021, as the world started opening back up, I had to face the reality that I needed to start making income again. As I agonized over what to do, I heard the voice of a good friend's father echoing in my head from a conversation that we'd had over two decades in the past. You'll never make real money, and you'll never make the impact that you want working for somebody else and playing by their rules, Ben. Matt's voice echoed in my head. Leaning into that outlook, I took what, in hindsight, was one of the most courageous leaps I've ever taken in my life. I decided that I was going to go all in on myself and on my private practice working as a counselor. I was not going to fall back into the old pattern of getting a job that I wasn't passionate about or worse yet that I'd hated like I'd done in years past. I'd done that for nearly my whole adult working life at that point, and enough was enough. As one would probably surmise if they followed a similar path, this journey had its bumps and its rough patches, trying to learn how to market myself, trying to learn how to handle business expenses, how to take out my own taxes, etc., but most of all, trying to cope with my anxiety that started creeping in once again due to finances. Honestly, this was kind of the perfect setup for making my anxiety start to happen again. Take one creative, sensitive, caring soul that has equal parts yearning for freedom, impulsivity due to the before-mentioned ADD tendencies, and a fear of financial ruin. We'll talk more about this in a future episode and where that comes from. Add in a changing world with technology that allows work to be remote and be done on my own terms. Mix and then get out of way and just wait for the storm to hit. And boy, did it hit. At times, I had high highs, feeling truly fulfilled and excited, feeling like I was finally doing something meaningful that mattered, like my job was important. But inevitably, along with that, would come low lows that consistently revolved around worried about making ends meet, that would promote momentary anxiety attacks, if not full-blown panic attacks, in particular when a client would cancel, when I'd get sick and have to cancel, etc., Every time I had a missed session, that meant less money coming in. Less money meant more pressure about bills. To say that the ride's been bumpy over these years as I've continued in my private practice would be an understatement of epic proportions. Earlier this year, in 2023, things came to a head. Wait, let me back up just a bit. For the past couple of years since I dove into private practice, and honestly, Thankful to a conversation that I had with a client, I'd been pretty heavily exploring spirituality and what that meant to me. I was raised in a Baptist household in the Midwest in the United States, and while I was always pretty true in my convictions that I believed that there was a God, the older I got, the more I started to question what that really meant, and the more I started to question a lot of the religious doctrine that I'd learned. So, At this point, insert lots of listening to podcasts, reading lots of books, watching lots of videos on Eastern religions, on Buddhism, etc. As part of that, and also with the intent of it being something helpful for my anxiety, I became a pretty regular mindful meditator. I would meditate on a daily basis anywhere from 5 to 20 minutes long, sometimes doing two 20-minute sessions per day. I truly enjoyed that journey, and I saw a great many benefits from having that in my life. 
but I wasn't prepared for what happened on a late February afternoon earlier this year. I was doing my daily meditation, sitting on the couch in our living room, when, for the first time, all of the thoughts, ruminations, thinking, and the inner monologues that had filled my head for as long as I can remember just stopped. For a split second, I felt really peaceful, and there was just silence. No internal voice, not even that voice saying, breathe in, breathe out. It was just a split second, though. A moment later, panic set in. I'd never not had that inner monologue going on. So my mind, being the meaning-making machine that it is, started to try to fill in the, oh my God, what's going on portion of that. The immediate thought that didn't creep but leapt into my consciousness was, did I just die? I think I just died. Oh my God, am I dead? The moment that thought hit me, immediately after, I left that quiet place and the voices started running again, that internal monologue that we all have. And I went into a panic that I hadn't experienced in a long time. My mind was racing. I couldn't catch my breath. I was in the throes of a full-blown panic attack. Now, this may seem like an extreme reaction, and I'd agree, typically, but as I've come to realize, this makes perfect sense based upon my past. I've been an anxious person my whole life, like I said. The way that I learned to cope with this was by having my mind make up all kinds of stories about everything. As dysfunctional and as painful as that had been, it also became a strange source of comfort for me. It's what I knew. It's what I expected. It's what I believed subconsciously that had kept me safe all of these years. When that was abruptly removed, when that inner monologue went away, it's not surprising that it felt threatening, like nothing had ever felt in my life before. Take an inner 10-year-old kid who learned to keep himself safe by overthinking everything and then remove thinking. Looking at it like that, no wonder I freaked out and had a panic attack like I did. That panic attack sent me into a spiral that is honestly the deepest I think I've ever been in in my life. Most of the month of March was a write-off. I worked for part of the first of the week, but my anxiety was so high and I was so non-functional that I was unable to work for the remainder of that month. I had this constant feeling of dread, constant feeling of fear, and constant feeling of panic that just never went away. I was sure I was having heart problems. I was sure I was going to die, or at the least, I was going to go insane and have to be committed, leaving my wife to take care of everything herself. Sleep was fitful at best, and I can only imagine how hard it was for Tracy to see me the way that I was. She was the only one that I confided in about my struggles at that point. Not even my parents, who I've grown really close to in their older years, knew how bad it was. That's a theme we'll visit in future episodes because that's one that's very familiar to me and to a lot of people that I've worked with that have struggled with anxiety. The next few months, things started to improve or at least go back to my normal baseline of anxiety versus being somewhat okay, but I never truly felt good. For the most part, I could hold it together to meet my clients where they were, and I honestly believe that having those interactions saved me from going to a much darker place than I was already in. After this teeter-tottering around for several months, I finally came to the realization that something had to change. Everything that I'd tried up at this point had been, at best, a band-aid on a bullet wound, to use a quote that my pr clients have probably heard enough that they roll their eyes when they hear me say it. So, nearing my wit's end, I just randomly searched audible.com for anxiety to see what had come up. In doing so, I stumbled across Dr. Russell Kennedy's excellent, highly recommended book, Anxiety Rx, a new prescription for anxiety relief from the doctor who created it. While this isn't a commercial for that book, and Dr. Kennedy may never hear this podcast, I can't stress how much this has helped and how much this has changed my life and the way I work with anxiety for myself and for clients. 
This book offered a completely new perspective, and it came from someone who wrote about his own experience with lifelong anxiety as if he were reading my thoughts straight out of my head. Learning this new somatic, body-based approach, I started feeling hope for maybe the first time in nearly 20 years that I could not only learn to live with my anxiety, but that I might actually be able to heal the worst of it to where I'd no longer be a slave to my alarmed body and my overly anxious mind's every warning bell. I practice what I learned from Dr. Kennedy on a routine basis, and to my amazement, things started getting better. Anxiety was still there, but the difference is I could catch myself in those moments. I could bring myself back into my body, and I could stop those racing thoughts, bringing my prefrontal cortex or the logical part of my brain back online to where I could then talk myself off of that cliff. I tried to do this for years, not realizing that when I was in a state of panic, that wasn't going to help. When you're in a state of panic, your body's in fight, flight, or freeze mode, and your amygdala, your reptile brain, has taken over. When that happens, literally, your logical part of your brain gets blunted. So no matter how many times I tell myself, this is just anxiety, if I was in that panicked moment with my body pumping out cortisol and my brain pumping out norepinephrine or adrenaline, there was no way that my mind was going to believe more or less my body going to believe that there wasn't something horrible happening. While I'm still on my healing journey, I have felt better these past few months than I have in years, and I feel my resilience and my inner strength increasing more and more as I lean into the holistic body and mind approach that I've learned to healing anxiety from Dr. Kennedy and my personal experiences. So that's my anxiety story, or at least a high-level view of it. This is already a pretty long first episode for my diary, and while I could tell countless more stories about my complicated relationship with anxiety and how it shrunk my world, I'll leave it at that for today. I just want to leave you with this message and this message of hope. You can heal from your anxiety. You don't have to have your life controlled by it like I did for so many years. And you can move towards the life that you want for yourself, a life filled with meaning, with purpose, fulfillment, and joy spent with those that you love the most, doing the things that mean the most to you. Thank you for tuning in. If you found this to be helpful, it'd be awesome if you'd leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, subscribe to the podcast, and hey, maybe even share this episode with anybody who you think might benefit from it. My goal with this podcast is to help as many people as possible. I know how hard anxiety's been throughout my life. I know how much it's paralyzed me and how many opportunities I've missed out on that I'm now trying to make up for. And I want to do what I can to help you not go down that same path. If even one person is helped by this podcast, then it'll be worth all the time that I put into it. Until next time, remember that you're the savior that you've been looking for for your whole life. You just have to learn how to get in touch with that part of you internally, nurture him, her, or them, and give them the love, the support, and the compassion that they deserve so they can help you move into a life of fulfillment, love, and joy. Take care, everybody. I'll talk to you on the next one.